search of meaning. Hello, and welcome back to the In Search of Meaning podcast. I am Ethan. And I'm Julia. And the topic of our podcast today is the connection of body and mind. So do you have any um, experience you would like to start with? Uh, let me think. Actually, yeah. Um, I had an interesting story that happened to me once. Uh, we were on a bus with my friend going around like 10 p.m. home. And at one station, uh, one guy entered and he looked drunk or high. I, I don't know. Um, he behaved weirdly and he was trying to talk to everybody around him. Um, he, he was like around 16 years old, uh, judging by his appearance. And, and he, was, he was talking weird stuff. I, I don't remember what, but what got to my mind uh, is that he was talking about himself, like he was addressing himself not, not with I, but with we. Mm-hmm. And when was our turn, my uh, friends and mine, uh, to talk to him because other passengers uh, got off the bus? <laughs> um, we asked him, like, why do you, why, why, what do you mean by saying we? Uh, and he said, well, I separate myself for body and mind, and I consider them to be different parts of what we. <laughs> he didn't use I. Mm-hmm consist of mm-hmm. so so this separation was very important for him and was mm-hmm. part of his like philosophy and this um, experience somehow shows that um, that uh, tradition in our society to separate body and mind when where it can uh, achieve and reach those weird forms when the person starts saying not I but we. Yeah, it's very interesting uh, in that sense how we separate between mind and body because like from the longest time in history humans have always had this separation. Like we've considered ourselves to be humans but we have always dwelled with this question of trying to know if we are a mind with a body or if maybe we are a body with a mind. And it's very interesting to even think about why do we even have to separate ourselves or why is it natural for the human to separate mind and body? Why isn't it a complete entity? Because when you, when, at least when I think about, for example, a dog, I don't think about his mind and his body. I just think about it in a like a complete being. But when I think about myself, I often refer to me as this union between my mind and my body, but I tend to differentiate it, but still I call it myself. So like as if myself was constituted by different elements and the one and those and two of those elements uh, is the body and the mind which is quite interesting. Um, and I'd like to make a few uh, interesting facts. Uh, I believe that in how our psychology works, we tend to describe our body and our mind as like a reflection of the inner world and the outer world. So our inner world will be our mind, everything that we somehow think about the dreams, the memories, uh, etc. And the body would be the external world, which is all this experience we receive from the world, because we tend to to sense the world with our senses. Uh, We touch, we smell, we hear, and that becomes part of what our body grabs from the world and then somehow our mind interprets it but maybe that's the way how i feel um myself works because of the 
type of psychological literature that I've read. But I don't know if you feel the same way. Um, well, it's it's actually hard to tell because uh, talking about mind, I and thinking what what do I perceive as mind, I come to that uh, definitional dilemma <laughs> because uh, I start I start thinking. I start to think what uh, mind is, and I, I can't I can't find a very um, like like a perfect definition. So that brought me to Oxford Dictionary, and mind is the part of a person that makes them able to be aware of things, to think and to feel. Mm-hmm. And basically, this definition. Uh, would be would be perfect definition of brain also, except that we would have to add something that like it's physical. Mm-hmm. The brain is a physical part of body which function is to make person be aware of things, to think and to feel. But in that uh, definition, you already incorporate the body because the feelings come from the body. I I don't know. <laughs> so if we talk about mind, do we consider mind to be like a brain, or do we consider mind to be consciousness? Well, I believe that when we talk of our mind, we talk about our consciousness. Yes. Like our self awareness and our awareness of the world inside of ourselves and that's why i refer to it as the inner world and also um mind is um, somehow connected to be rational because to be um, to be adequate because if we take for example this expression which says like he was out of his mind it means what the, what the hell does it even mean? He was out of his mind. He, we we, we mean by that that uh, a person was uh, not, not not behaving adequately, mm-hmm. was not thinking rationally. But can you really be out of your, your mind if your mind is inside of you, <laughs> or um, is mind some? so abstract thing that allows us to think of that uh, as something bigger than just a bunch of thoughts inside of our heads. Well, it's like that phrase um, which people tell that to me a lot, which is like, you have your mind in the clouds. Yeah. Which is kind well, it's the same thing because there's like this metaphor that your mind is outside of your body and it's somehow floating in the sky, even though physically it's still there. So the mind has the capability of being absent from the body. Yeah. Which is very interesting because of um, if we take it to the other side, like the body absent from the mind, um, we can see the the very in, in a very interesting moment in history where all our technology and especially due to the pandemic we are starting to move everything more focused on the mind like all these video games virtual reality zoom meetings everything is just going around the mind and how basically the highest point or the most valuable point of every person is their consciousness being and I think it's very important to think about it in the other sense, because, well, as all the people who are listening, everybody has felt something wrong with their body. Even when you just felt you just drank a lot and then you have a hangover or then you hit yourself and you feel pain. And now in this modern world, we're starting to forget about that relationship with our body and this is where things like or activities like yoga uh, become very important. I believe they they are very important because 
they bring you back a little bit and tell you like, hey, I know that being smart and just being there is very important now in society, but you have to, to take a little bit of step back and think about the base of your being. Think about your body. Well, because everything starts from the body, kind of. Uh, in the world of physical senses, in the world of physical matters, um, everything, everything starts from the body. Even the separation of body and mind starts from the body. Because uh, we, as conscious beings, we take a look at animals and we see what differs us from animals. And that's something is our mind or our consciousness. And that's, that's what gives us a base for this separation itself, to, to, to start even thinking about that. Uh, and that's where it comes from. Um, Where it comes. <laughs> okay, let's wait for your laugh to go away. And that's where it comes from. Um, because why would we even think that mind and body are something different, uh, that are something uh, separated? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think mind and body are a bit more connected than it seems. Well, personally, I don't know what you think about this idea, but I perceive it as if body was this sort of primal element of humans, like the base. Like if you, if you talk about the tree, it's the foundation of the tree. And then mind or consciousness in this sense is the fruits of the tree. And without a solid uh, start from the tree, you won't get good fruit. And in different, well, in contrast to that, uh, if you play with this, with your body, if you don't treat it as it should be, then it starts to deteriorate. And then that will bring not so good consequences. And well, that's the same in real life when you try to when you don't care about your body and you don't do exercise and you eat a bunch of junk food or you exercise very dangerous activities, then you're endangering the primal state of your being. And then secondly, well, your own mind and consciousness. But it's the other way around too, because whatever you do inside of your mind also affects your body and how it's how it's developing yes um buddha shakyamuni two and a half thousand years ago came to that conclusion that you can't uh, keep your mind uh clean and uh, conscious enough if your body is dead because when he chose that path to live in the forests and to meditate uh leaving his body in hunger, cold uh, and dirt, uh, he realized that you can't, um, uh, it, does, it doesn't make sense uh, to, be, to try to reach this state of, we call, enlightenment or like mindful, mindfulness uh, without your body being in, uh, uh, in the adequate form and which is better to be, to, for your body to be in a good form. And that's uh, and that's a very um, right explanation for yoga. What you said about yoga, mm -hmm. um, because well, uh, it's where your body and mind find their connection, uh, and you become more aware of your body. And by well, in yoga, everybody perceives it as uh, just. Uh, just physical exercise, but no, it's physical exercise which build a base for your further practices, for pranayama or breathing practices, for meditation or practices of absence, uh, of mindfulness and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we can see that 
whatever you exercise in your life, it will affect the way you develop your brain. Like there are several studies that talk about whatever you eat, whatever is inside of your microbiome, microbiome in that sense will affect your personality. And of course, if you eat, like if you're a vegetarian or if you are in a carnivore diet, the way these uh, nutrients affect your body is different and therefore your personality kind of changes, which is very interesting because, well, as we said, we are not, we perceive it in a separate way, but we are connected. Um, therefore, a question for you, are there any studies uh, that you know of uh, which prove that if you eat only fruit or if you eat only meat, your personality changes? Well, I, I wouldn't say the studies that prove that, but they're like the evidence suggests that uh, depending on what you eat, your personality does change. Um, people who eat more meat constantly feel more energized and also become more aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, and also, also depends on genetics because, for example, people who, well, their ancestors were more prone to eating vegetables and fruits. Of course, if they try an all-meat diet, they would feel horrible. And in, in the other way around, if there are people who have in their genetics like this favorment of eating meat, chicken, fish, etc., they will feel better. And we can see there this correlation between what, how you treat your body and how your mind will react to it. Or this idea that even by being sad, you affect your body. Like just thinking about the ending of existence and how this makes you a little bit depressed at night it somehow affects how your body perceives it and your body your body's immune system just goes down and well it's easier for you to get more to get sick well i was reading this article about uh, mind body illnesses like uh -huh. when mind when illnesses with mind cause body uh, illnesses disorders uh, as well and for example a very common thing of panic disorders which I think became very very common in uh, contemporary times <laughs> uh, well during the panic attack by our body experiences uh, increase of adrenaline and cortisol and immune system activity and that's dangerous uh, in uh, big portions because um, if it happens too much, it can cause uh, heart uh, to have problems with uh, beating and uh, increases uh, risk of heart disease for 47%. For 47%, uh, high risk for heart disease. And how would you uh, prevent that? Yoga. <laughs> like... Uh, practicing yoga will make your like your state of mind to be calmer. Yeah, there was a study as well where people with uh, panic disorders practiced yoga twice a week for two months, and uh, they the results showed significant decreases in their uh, panic attacks. Mm -hmm. um, well, as um, as the person who practiced yoga, I can tell that that can really help because what yoga does is uh, uh, is like kind of calibration of your systems. Mm -hmm. uh, first, uh, it's breathing because our breathing is very tight into our uh, emotional uh, state mm -hmm. of mind. And because, well, when you are stressed, you start to breathe very fast. When you are calm, when you sleep, for example, the perfect, <laughs> when you sleep, um, your breathing is very slow and... Um, calm. Uh, calm and takes its time. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And so uh, we can use just this simple knowledge to control our emotions. Because whenever you feel stressed, whenever you feel... 
uh, a little bit out of your mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we talked before, whenever you feel a little bit lost, you just you you just need to take a pause for ten minutes and just sit and try to breathe deep and slow. This re- reminded me of uh, of my Apple Watch, how it had like this little function called breathe. And now at certain points in the day, I don't know if it identifies the my heart beating or it's just uh, scheduled for two times a day. It would just uh, get this, no- I will get this notification and it will tell you like, okay, take a minute and just breathe. And so there will be like this animation and vibration and it is a way to calm yourself and to somehow get you back to your mind, like in the contrast of out of your mind to get you, to get you back there and to calm yourself down. Because sometimes uh, we have a lot of things going on. So I know that especially because I'm a very anxious person and you just have so many things going on that you forget about the moment and breathing and abstracting time and making it slow and counting these breaths will just remind you of how your relationship with the world can be summed up in this breathing techniques and how, how it tells you like, Hey, I know that a lot of things are happening in your inner world, in your mind, but if you just take a minute, and calm down. If you take a minute and breathe and feel your body, and then your inner mind will somehow realize like, hey, this isn't that bad. There's no tiger running behind me right now. I can see it in a different perspective and maybe change a few things. And it's a thing that maybe people who suffer from anxiety really, really need because well, being anxious, you always have this pressure or this idea that something's going to happen and you have to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, more than that, more than just this physical uh, explanation of how your breathing is connected to emotions, in yoga, breathing has always been thought uh, to be a um, connecting element of body and mind because... Uh, of our life energy which circulates in us which is prana and um, this what gives our body kind of life so it's like life energy and breathing is our uh, tool to somehow control this uh, energy circulating in our bodies and at the same moment breathing techniques or pranayama is uh, this um, first step uh, before taking meditations. Uh, Well, pranayama from Sanskrit literally means control or stop of breathing, uh, which helps you to return your... um, to return your um, focus back to your body. And it, it really helps because before studying, before you try to sit for one hour trying to calm your mind down, you should uh, be able to even focus on what's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, focusing on breathing is uh, the simplest thing that you can do. Yeah, I think that when you are able to just focus on one thing you kind of like unite all the energy of your brain and say like okay let's focus on this can we do it yes okay we can do start doing everything else or we can't even focus on breathing okay then something's a little bit off there and um, I have a hypothetical question and I'm very interested in your answer what do you think or how do you think would be uh, a person who was grown up, well, who, who grew, just taught that the mind isn't that important and that the most important thing was the body? 
like they took the the boy or the girl to sports a lot of different types of sports maybe to to, to be a gymnast and stuff like that but they never instructed him to have thoughts or very a lot of interest in ideas etc how do you think that person will be in society do you think he will have a lot of problems do you think it's better to have a more a physical education than a mental education in my um view of the world this person who is just taught one part of the two essential parts of ourselves would excel at and i think that's what happened in sports there are people who just dedicate all their lives in being this great athletes and they're they do magic like messi in soccer like they they, they really focus and they really do great things but maybe their minds are not well developed and so if you try to talk about people like that about philosophy or very complicated intellectual ideas maybe they're not well trained well Be here sorry for interrupting but here comes the question do they really need that like if they have success in this in their own sphere do they really need to know everything about philosophy and psychology and whatever if they are happy with what they have or are they happy that's a different question because i never met such people in my life so i i can't tell either from my experience or from any studies because i haven't seen any what about the opposite what about a person who was like son you don't need sports you don't need to go outside you just stay here we will give you a laptop we will give you video games and uh virtual reality because that, that's cool and that person never leaves its room his room but we already talked about that like in this but it's the same thing discussion. like like do you think like in the in the same logic does he need to have physical activity if he's if if he's really into things that don't require this physical energy well if we take this point of view that body is uh, primary mm -hmm. and uh, mind is secondary uh, in that sense of like of what it, of what comes first though I think this uh, this uh, is kind of chicken egg uh, question because what is primary body or mind uh, oh I believe it's body well, some uh, philosophical schools, uh, mm -hmm. like ancient philosophical schools, will tell you that it is mind. Because how can be there anything in the world at all without mind? Like without this directed effort of some will or consciousness or some mind. Because how our universe appeared. Like, was it a result of some great minds um creation creation like effort uh -huh. like of uh, activity of some mind because how can physical appear without that mm -hmm. can it re even appear because if we take this some of this ancient uh perception uh, of how people appeared they will tell that spirits were first non-material and then they started to eat rice mm -hmm. and that what made them material and then what that what brought us to be to, to have bodies to be tightened to material world because in this perfect sense uh, our mind is not limited by bodies because body gives limitations right mm -hmm. and uh, uh, perfectly we shouldn't have it we should be free like if, to be free of our body and all this reincarnation and blah 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 mm -hmm. uh, theories uh, tell that that our uh, body that we have on earth that we live in is just a temporal um, 
bag of flesh and uh, bones. <laughs> Sorry for such a maybe rude um, description, but then it's it's mind who comes to that body, who brings it to life, and then body dies and mind goes on. And at the mind you are referring to as like human consciousness. Oh. I like our soul don't really know <laughs> like something uh metaphysical is the one who brings this energy to the body yes kind of that mm-hmm. and that's what makes us humans mm-hmm. well in the i mean I, I get it um and it's interesting but in a more darwinian sense the body would would come before the mind because in well con- human consciousness would be a consequence of evolution it's like one of the last steps that we took uh in evolving and of course in order for the mind to to be we first have to evolve from primates australopithecus erectus abilis uh, homo sapiens sapiens and then after that we become impregnated by consciousness but um, in Darwinian sense, mind comes after. But I always see it as a, a way to arrive to the primordial. So if this consciousness already existed, and because of our evolution, we well, what is evolution? Trying, it's a form to of adaptation to reality, to nature, to the world. And so when something gets so as advanced as humans did, when we are able to have consciousness, then and then we perceive like our minds and our minds are kind of like this alchemical idea that our minds represents the universe. So maybe we are, that is an adaptation of perceiving the whole existence, the whole pattern of being just compressed into our minds because there's a lot of analogies in alchemical images about how the microcosm and the and the macrocosm is the same but just at different scales and so if you see like a lot of um like the way of the way our minds work if you really really like make it huge and expand it and scale it you will understand how the planets work which is something very interesting because in buddhist um religion an ideology how would you describe buddhism theory of school school of thought in Buddhism school of thought, uh, they already knew about the planets before we even had like this proof that they existed. But they knew about the planets more about because of introspection. And well, this comes to this very ancient idea too about if we know ourselves, like deep into ourselves, then we know the exterior. And this is very interesting for me uh well because of this relationship so for me the perception of the mind is kind of a returning to the beginning the mind being a reflection of the state of reality between order and chaos the right side of our brain and our left side of the brain which is also presented as well anxiety Anxiety is like chaos, everything's bad. And when you're calm, everything's good. Everything's calm. Well, I just, uh, if you were, to- when you were talking about this micro and macro cosm- cosmos, I thought that there are, um, th- th- these pictures are popular, popular on the net or were popular when um, we're picturing the eye. Uh, of the human and we're like hey there's a whole universe in there and it's very very like a visual way of presenting the same idea um 
because well, well yeah in some sense it's true because we are all part of the same world of the miracle of the existence in some sense and if we perceive us as parts of the existence well we are in some sense um enough to show how the world works i would like to go back a little bit um to what you said about the body being a form of limitation mm-hmm. and uh, my question is that do you really think the best form of being is without a body we can't even know if there is a form of being without a body well in my uh in my perception um the magic of being human is being embodied because because of being embodied you have certain limitations and with those limitations well you can go even further because if you don't have limitations that everything becomes meaningless because when you can achieve anything well it's like achieving nothing at all in that sense so that's why we celebrate things that, that break the limitations that's why we celebrate the olympics where we see all these people training to overcome the limits to pass the limits and how we read text that not only they tell the same thing but they evolve and they even change the narrative they tell things in a different way and maybe the narrative doesn't work or isn't as popular as other literary forms but it still innovates and my point is my point here is that having a body having limits is one of the magical things that makes humans want to go further want to do what is not meant to do because humans are not meant to go to space but somehow we managed to work everything and to decipher what elements were the most adequate to build a spaceship what creates com- uh, these thrusters how much energy does it need to break into outside of the atmosphere and to come back and everything and just these elements of limit are the things that make us go further well yeah that's that's true but it's true in the positive way of thinking in the negative way of thinking uh, your body is a source of suffer and you suffer because of your body uh, more than because of your mind uh, well because mm, even even this uh, theory of uh, God um, making Adam and Eve go out of their perfect garden to the world and uh, because of having this like apple from the tree it gives uh, them uh, pain, diseases and stuff uh, to me it's an attempt of humanity to explain why do we even suffer like how do we deserve it why do we suffer? Why do we have to suffer? Why do we have to feel pain? Um, I mean, I'm not saying that this uh, this uh, myth is uh, this Bible story is only about that, but partially it is about that. But I think that without suffering, they wouldn't be being at all. Well, yeah, because when there's uh, because we live in the binary world where uh, we have bad and good. And good and bad and uh, pain and suffering happiness are like that uh, extremes of this binarity mm-hmm. uh, and if there was no binarity how would we even know mm-hmm. yes i agree but <laughs> to some people this can this may seem um, the worst of existence an ability to suffer that's why i think it's important to talk about it the suffering of the body but what about the suffering of the mind? Because 
I, I believe there's a way to measure uh, pain in the body. Like I've seen indexes of pain. Yes, yes. And how, like for example, the highest pains are giving birth mm-hmm. and uh, taking your one of your teeth out, mm-hmm. uh, which is horrible. I've experienced it. Um, but there's no way of comparing it to pain of mind. And I'm not saying to compare it like pain of mind is way, way, way worse. I'm just saying that we still don't know enough about our own mind to know what's worse. If you get beat up in the street by some punks or if um, you have, you end up your relationship and your heart is broken and you just cry in the street. Because if you ask both of the people, they would say like, this is the worst. But there's no way of comparing. Do you, th- or at least in your perception, your your personal perception, do you think one is worse than the other? Um, I I don't know, but what I have to say is that uh, I think I, I I don't I haven't read any studies, but uh, I think that uh, in contemporary times we have so many uh, psychological uh, problems. Well, I actually heard that from one psychologist we have so many psychological problems and uh, this mind suffering because our bodies are safe are safer than ever and when your only pre preoccupation was to have some warmth in winter so you need to kill several uh several very dangerous and an animals to be able to have some food and fur you wasn't thinking about any uh broken hearts and stuff because because th- these are your uh primary needs mm-hmm. uh whatever we say about uh, series that my mind comes to be to be body body in that sense it's primarial so before you were not thinking you were thinking of your own safety and of not dying because of hunger and that was your only problem but now that we are safe that it's it's uh, it's harder to die. It's hard. It's harder than ever to die. Uh, but still, this world has to uh, r- remain bin- bin- binary and to still contain some suffer. This uh, suffer and pain they kind of move from uh, bodies to <laughs> minds. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of uh, feeling like a lot of hunger, a lot of physical pain because of diseases, because now we don't have that much of diseases, or at least we know how to cure uh, the worst of them. We have vaccines, we have um, very developed medical systems, we can save uh, women while they give birth to children, we can save people suffering from, I don't know, whatever... A lot of a lot of things that we couldn't before, uh, and now with that, uh, this um, this just gives us more time to think about about our personal uh, lack of self confidence or our broken hearts and stuff. Because in my own experience, I noticed for myself that when I had like very strong uh, back pain or had aches, I don't have time to think that that um, I'm bad at taking photos and that I need to move on and that I'm not talented. I'm thinking, how, how the hell can I get rid of this stupid pain in my head? But when everything's fine with my body, I'm like this melancholical psychologist sitting on the windowsill with a cup of coffee and thinking, oh no, everything is so bad, I'm so not talented, my heart is broken by myself, blah, 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 blah. Have you ever thought about that body suffering being in consequence of your own mind? Yeah, sure. Do you feel that's true or you still haven't? I haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, that's also true. Um, Something important to, to talk about is that 
not everything that you experience with your mind is true. Because, well, there are people who believe that, for example, they have coronavirus and they show the symptoms and then they do the test, then they don't have anything. They, they kind of prepare their body to experience these things and their body is like, okay, and they, they show the symptoms, but they actually don't have anything. Which reminds me of this experiment where they, they, they put a man and they made him put his two hands on a table. Uh, and then they hide, they, well, they hit his left hand and they put like a rubber hand. And then they started to play with his senses. So they grabbed like a little pencil and they started to, to touch his, his hand and also at the same time touch the rubber hand. And well, he only sees the rubber hand. He, do, he doesn't see his left hand. And well, he has this sense of touch, but he's seeing not his own hand. And then at one point, the, the tester brings out a knife and stabs the fake hand. And at that moment, the, 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 let's say the patient just takes his hand out, even though it wasn't his hand. So the mind was tricked. He, for some, for a moment, he thought that that rubber hand was his own. And this also correlated with virtual reality. When you put on those glow, this, those uh, goggles, and you go into this roller coaster experiences and everything, you're even though you know that it's not real and you're, you're being like in some sort of simulation, your mind, or at least your unconscious, doesn't perceive it like that. Your conscious still perceives it as dangerous. And so you start to feel anxious and scared, even though you're not there. And you're like, if a ghost appears to you in virtual reality, you are so scared. Even though you're not, even though you know it's not real, it plays with your senses. And I think it's very important to say that sometimes what you perceive isn't what is real. Sometimes you exaggerate or minimize whatever you feel. Sometimes you feel that a problem is nothing and you don't even pay attention to it. Like a little dragon, like, oh, it's a little dragon and it won't do anything to me. And then when you realize the dragon grows and it kills you, or maybe the other way around, maybe you see a giant dragon ready to kill you. But if you really just stop and breathe, returning to what we talked about, and analyze the situation, then you see that it wasn't a dragon, it was just a little lizard. And I think it's important to to see that, to not give all to the mind, because the mind can trick you. Yeah, there is this um, story uh, about a man who was... Um, well, he lived in the village. And uh, once he came to another man um, to have some kind of a of a trade or something. I don't remember precisely. And this uh, man suggested uh, uh, our main character a soup. But when he was eating a soup, he noticed that... Um, um, there, in inside of the soup, there was something that seemed for him as a uh, as a snake, uh, and he saw that maybe this uh, soup was poisonous. Um, and uh, but 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 then he saw that this uh, uh, other man was eating the same soup, and he thought like, okay, no, it must be fine. And then he came home, and the next day he got sick. And he got sick and he thought, okay, that soup was poisonous. I should go back to that man and ask him what kind of poison was it and ask him for treatment. I think that was his idea uh, to poison me so I can come and ask him for help. So then later I owe him something. And then he comes back to that man and says like, hey, I, I feel very bad. Uh, I think that maybe happened because of the soup that you gave me. Uh, can you please help me? 
And then what the man does is that he gives him uh, the same uh, soup and puts it puts puts it in the same place and uh, invites him to sit and eat. And uh, then he sits and he sees the snake again and he's like, but why are you giving me this poisonous soup? There is, there is a snake inside of it. Uh, and the man answers, well, then look look up and then this man looks up and there is a bow uh for like the one for arrows mm-hmm. uh which has this form of a snake and what he saw in his soup was actually just a shadow and the moment that he realizes it was just a shadow coming from the ceiling he gets better so he somehow managed to trick his own body into feeling it was poison yeah because he he thought that it was poisonous he got sick but the moment he realized that uh it was just a shadow from uh a from a bow above uh he he, he got better because well there was no reason to get sick <laughs> uh, i mean that's that that's not realistic of course because we can't just treat ourselves by uh some mind efforts uh, but it's very it, it it is very representative. Yeah, it's very archetypal in some sense because it it joins with all these ideas that sometimes, well, as as we said, you you see everything wrong, and then until you realize how it all works, you can see everything clear. You are tr- somehow trapped in your own bubble, and what the bubble is that. Well, that snake in the soup. And until you see outside of the bubble and see what causes that, you are able to understand more. You are able to see the big picture. Yeah, that's just uh, mostly the problem of our focus. Because if you are mm, trained... Uh, I, I It's not the, the right word to use. Well, when you are used to... Uh, see negative stuff around you everything will be bad in your life but when you are used to see good stuff around you the world will just seem to be a miracle and uh, you will be a part of this big miracle but also i think it would make you naive to think everything is good not to think everything is good but to point your uh, focus on good things mm-hmm. because you can mm-hmm. always you you always like your two people can be in the same room like with a lot of objects around them and then they will go out of the room and if you ask them, them separately hey what did you remember about this room two different uh, persons will answer differently and it doesn't mean that they didn't see any other things they saw they were there their eyes were open it just means that they noticed different things and uh by noticing only negative things you become this negatively i mean negative thinking person spreading this negative thinking around you but by thinking positively you can bring more good to the world because well as we say uh you should start from yourself and clean your room (laughs) yeah i agree So let's uh, have a little pause and let's address some of the questions that we were sent to us. Um, So uh, every week we are going to be receiving questions from anybody who wants to ask them about the topic. And uh, this time the first question is by Daniel and he asks, Do you believe that we will start to replace parts of our body that we don't like to something that we like more? Um, (laughs) My first question is what exactly parts of the body he's talking about? Well, I I think uh, he refers to, for example, uh, surgery. Like you don't like your nose. You can just go and uh, change your nose. You have plastic surgery to have a a more attractive self. And how would that impact you? Like, do you think that would go on? Or do you think that would create certain inconsistencies in your psyche? 
Well, uh, I think plastic surgery became very popular like 10-15 years ago. And everybody was like, oh, I want my lips bigger, I want my face look younger and stuff. But uh, now everything started to return back to natural. Because you can always... Well, if it's a radical change, you can always look at the person and tell something's wrong. Mm-hmm. If you see uh, 60-year-old people who had plastic surgery, if it's not the most advanced technologies, which I don't know, uh, only very, very rich people have uh, access to, uh, you can always look at that person and tell that it's not natural. It doesn't look very good. I mean, it can be very, very accurate, it can look very good, but it just breaks some proportions, which I cannot tell exactly which, but it just it just breaks this... Uh, like, if a person was as uh, golden ratio, mm-hmm. and then you just change something and move, and then this just golden ratio breaks, because, well... If it's a person, like a normal person without any disorders, uh, where, of course, uh, medical uh, interference can help and where surgery helps them to live their normal lives if something happened to a person. But if it was just a, just a, a, a normal person without any disorders making uh, this surgery to change something, it's like breaking a golden ratio to me. Like to, to be, become more aesthetic. Like, you know, there's something wrong with them and it's like something just doesn't click. Yeah, like it's just some proportions, like because, well, like nature brought nature made you to be that and every proportion in you fits like um, your distance between your eyes is equal to some other distances and and stuff like that, that artists use and like painters use to draw um, adequate looking uh, portraits. It's like there is there is something broke there. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, I think that even though there is like some problems in surgery or physical alterations like adding horns to your face or changing your teeth to vampire teeth um well it can be a form of expression of trying to express who you are with your body like a canvas uh or in that sense tattoos could also be this kind of expression in different level of course and i think those attitudes would just grow they will go to a point where they become too extravagant and maybe we have to like step back a little bit like okay that's too much like there's this person who's like the dragon person who wants to be a dragon and just tattooed his entire face to be black and black eyes and everything and well there's a point in society when you just think like okay that's not you trying to be trying to express who you are but it's just something else even psychologically not correct like there's something going on there that isn't correct so i think that we have always expressed ourselves through our body um i think that could be an entire topic of podcast about tattoos and how to express ourselves with clothes, fashion, etc. But uh, I think that this trend would, would never end. Well, uh, I think maybe it will just uh, evolve uh, to uh, something more technological, like cyborg uh, hands, uh, which gives you more like force and power and um, insert some kind of insertions. Uh, well, what in about the- glasses? Glasses? Yeah, glasses are uh, like an add-on to your being. They they serve you to to see better. Yeah, but they are they are curing because you you won't wear glasses if your eyesight is good enough. Because if you try to wear glasses when your eyesight is good, well, you just get dizzy and the world is just uh, starting to to fly around you. But you can use them as a 
as an accessory. Like you use glasses without any sort of. Well, then it's just an accessory, just like earrings or. Um, necklaces. Or necklaces, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, another question that we have uh, is from Mar Maria. And. Um, what she, does Maria say? Maria asks if. Um, are those children who do sports from their early childhood really more successful because their physical power is uh, bonded to spiritual and emotional powers? Well, my answer would be depends on what. Because to be successful, it's different for people. As we talked about... Uh, people can just focus on their body and be successful in in sports and that's like enough for them but if you have a a child who has very big IQ and has a lot of promise but you don't help him to build this and you just take them to sports well he won't develop that part that he wants and so it be, it will become this conflict because Maybe he wants to to read. Maybe he wants to become a scientist. But because he's drawn to do the sports and do these physical activities, he cannot develop this other side. In one side, yes, it's good because he's going to be a healthy person. And the best scenario would be him to balance between physical activity and mental activity. Yeah, but the question wasn't uh, about children who do only sports through, uh, beginning from their childhood. Like, it's the only activity they are involved to. The question was uh, if those children who do sports from their early childhood do them like that there is sport activities in their childhood uh, since, since the very beginning. Not if they do it all the time. Well, <laughs> I think it also depends what type of sports. Because you can do individual sports and you can do team sports. And team sports has been proven psychologically that, well, when you play a team sports, you somehow start to understand how the world works. You, like, the world is not just you. There's more players. And in order to attain something, in one case, like maybe a victory or a trophy, you have to play with everybody else. And to help them get better and not just you being better. So that would be my answer if, if it is an answer. I guess so. Do you have? Um, no, not really. Well, I just believe that uh, sports uh, are very important to our bodies and uh, we should, in order to stay Physic, uh, mentally sane, uh, you have to keep your body uh, healthy as well. And that's why uh, making kids do sports uh, from the very beginning and making sports to be their habit is a good thing to do. Uh, because, for example, sports has never become a part of my life until I was... 17. I was trying several stuff, but I always got sick somehow. And my mom was always very worried and she saw that sports is the problem and uh, we should take it away. But it happened one, two um, months after I started each time. So I think that was the wrong strategy. I think if I would keep, I would become stronger. But I didn't have a chance. And now when I'm already grown up, it's just harder to me. Uh, to make uh, sport activities part of my everyday life because I, I never had the chance to incorporate it in my in my everyday life and now it's just hard to find time for it, to find uh, willpower for it, and etc. I understand. Well, I guess here we should stop and finish our discussion. Uh, so we will just uh, announce uh, the topic of our next discussion, which is why people 
do bad things. Which is quite interesting. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. <laughs> It's very complicated. Yeah, it is very complicated. And this is the topic of our next discussion. So if you have any questions about that that we that you want us to answer, be free to send us to our personal Instagram accounts or to our future podcast account. Which we are just going to create. So we thank you for hearing all the way till now. And we hope to we hoped that we made your day a little bit better and more interesting. And we hope to see you again next time. To be heard. We hope We hope you to hear us next time. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>